imagine like for many people, not always, but the day that we extract teeth, we are often able to then reshape that extraction site, place the implant in, mill a custom designed tooth that we keep out of the bite so you can't, you know, bang it around. And they leave with a tooth in their mouth that looks just like their, their old tooth, if not better. Welcome to Wellness, your ultimate guide to unlocking your full human potential through biohacking. I'm your host, Ashley Daly. I'm a former personal trainer, Pilates instructor, and nutrition expert with a degree in kinesiology. I'm here to guide and support you in elevating the quality of your life. Can I ask you a favor? When you leave a review for me, it helps listeners like yourself find and access this information faster. So if you have five minutes, I would love if you could log on to Apple iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to this podcast and leave me a review. But I'm serious about this request. I only have one review on iTunes and I would really love to hear your thoughts on my show. Okay, today's guest is Dr. Kelly Blodgett. He's a general dentist who is board certified in naturopathic medical dentistry and integrative biological dental medicine. And he's one of the most unique dentists in the world. At age 21, just prior to earning his bachelor's degree in psychology from the University of Oregon, he felt called by God to become a dentist. The specific calling he heard was to reverse the negative stereotype of dentistry. Since becoming a licensed dentist in 1999, he has positively impacted hundreds of thousands of people worldwide through the care he provides in his clinic and through his social media post series, Toxic Tuesdays, and Wellness Wednesdays. Dr. Blodgett has performed hundreds of presentations on progressive dental concepts over the past 20 years, along with being the featured guest on dozens of podcasts like mine today, webinars, news segments, and Instagram live events. His approach of connecting with the human being first and focusing on their health goals as the guidepost to treatment is a refreshing shift from doctor knows best dogma of other practices. As the founder of Blodgett Dental Care in Portland, Oregon, Dr. Kelly Blodgett has developed a practice that holds a worldwide status of being one of the most sought after destinations for dental tourism. His uniqueness stems from both the respect it offers to his patients as individuals, along with his artful fusion of biology and leading edge technology. Dr. Blodgett is committed to investing his energy to help all dental practices adopt biological practices and develop communication skills that respect the autonomy of the patient. Dr. Blodgett, welcome to the show. Thank you, Ashley. I'm excited to be with you today. I'm so excited to have you here. I did give my listeners a bit of a briefing of your background, but for my listeners who are hearing about you for the first time, can you share a bit of your life story and why you became a dentist? Yes, surely. How far do you want me to go back? <laughs> <laughs> totally up to um, you. Well, so yeah, the life story in brief is I'm a native of, of Portland, Oregon. I've been here my entire life. Uh, outside of the four years that I was at University of Oregon, um, went to dental school here in Portland, went and did my residency at the Portland Veterans Hospital. Um, and I've been practicing here uh, since 1999. So 
that's that's my scoop and and um i uh my background educationally was originally psychology uh in high school and college i thought i wanted to be a counselor or a psychologist um and uh you know god took me on a different path as i wrapped up the end of college uh, in 1993 and i i heard god call me to become a a dentist and to reverse the negative stereotype of dentistry, which um, is what we've been doing in my practice uh, since 2001 when I bought it. Um, we have been redefining the modern dental experience since that time. And um, I would say it started with technology. We already had the psychology and more in the last five to 10 years, we've incorporated the biology. So looking at how, how do we provide care that respects human biology? And as you're probably aware, there are many dental procedures and substances uh, which really aren't very pro-health. So I'm sure we'll talk about that today. Thank you for giving us a good intro. I love that you combine the psychology, technology, biology, because a lot of people are afraid to visit the dentist. Walk me through some of your methodologies or your mannerisms to help guests or to help your patients feel safe in your office. Yeah, thank you for asking. And I'll tell you what, it took us almost 20 years to figure out how best to do this. And I don't mean like best, like we can't improve it, you know, from where we are now. But um, in terms of in terms of honoring uh, people's comfort levels, uh, one of the things that we decided to do, it's kind of interesting, actually, we, our team, we had a team meeting the Thursday right before all practices in Oregon got shut down uh, back in March of 2020. And uh, one of the decisions we made at that time was that we were going to try, instead of putting new patients in on, you know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, you know, sporadically, we decided we wanted to try only seeing new patients on Mondays and doing nothing else. There would be no dental drills going. There would be no uh, lasers firing. You know, it's just going to be human to human connection for that entire day. And, um, and, so, you know, of course, we had to take a two and a half month hiatus from the practice before we could start doing that. Um, but over the last three and a half years, we have been refining that process. And I'll tell you what, um, I, I have, as you might imagine, I had my doubts, if I want to say, you know, I'll be honest, like I was like, gosh, if we give up a whole day of, of providing care, like clinical care, is the business going to shrink? What's going to happen? And uh, you know what? It's been amazing. Like we've made way better human to human connection. Um, we've had way more patients say yes to care because they understand what they're choosing. They have value built for it. They have their questions answered. Um, they are provided uh, a, a very beautifully written single page summary. They're given like diagrams and images of their care that we're going to provide. And I'll tell you what, it's made such a richer experience for people. Um, it's been amazing. So that, that giving up that day, if you want to call it, 
it's really not giving anything up at all. It's actually completely building upon the relational aspects of care providing, uh, which is what I believe God, God called me to do in the first place. So it's it's been awesome. And then in our practice, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, we do clinical care. Uh, and it's been a wonderful journey. I've never heard of a dental office that offers anything like that. But I imagine just the feel in your entire office is very comforting without any dental drills, any other sounds. And also, I like that you have the single page summary. So you know mm. there's that informed consent of what the patient is going to expect. How long do you spend with a new patient? Yeah, that's a great question. So, and I've been doing this aspect of new patient uh, enrollment, if you might want to say, in, in our practice since 2002. Um, I train team members to become our oral health specialists. And I use that phrase specifically because it's really easy to pigeonhole people. You know, like you go into a dental practice and it's like there's these categories of who, who's who. Who's the dental hygienist? Who's the assistant? Who's the front office person? Who's the sterilization technician? And it's like, Let's be let's be real here. We're all human beings, and we all have the capacity to help others. So, um, our oral health specialists are team members whom I have trained, like at, uh, through hours and hours of communication, focusing um, on good question asking. Um, that oral health specialist is going to spend approximately two hours with that that patient. Um, I'll probably spend somewhere between 15 to 45 minutes with them, just depending on like, honestly, how much information did they send ahead of time? You know, a lot of times we, uh, most of our patients fly from out of state. And so they've already sent, you know, photographs, two dimensional x-rays, three dimensional x-rays. Um, they've filled out their health forms and goals and things like that. So, um, the more information they give us and the more prepared we are uh, to be able to serve them, the quicker that process tends to go. But, you know, uh, not everybody has that information, you know, and most people, honestly, uh, who've gone to dentists, if they have updated X two dimensional x-rays, that would be impressive that are digital, right? Um, a lot of dentists don't take photographs. They don't have 3D cone beam uh, CT systems. So, uh, in those instances, we we gather all that uh, for the first time for them. But um, yeah, the summary is great, right? It's 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 got four very distinct parts: a, a, a summary of the goals that they stated. We want to reflect what we believe we heard, you know. So these are the goals we understand that you would like for us to help you achieve. And then it's a summary of the findings. You know, what did we observe through the process? of your, your new patient experience. And then the third phase uh, on that summary is, these are the steps we would recommend in order to help you meet these goals. And then the fourth is, what do we anticipate for you in the future in terms of long-term maintenance? I've never heard of visiting the dentist to go over my life goals. So what no. kind of goals are people coming to see the dentist to achieve? Based on if people go to my Instagram or my Facebook stuff and they read about what I'm writing, it's a lot about the ways in which, or, or I should say the, the procedures of traditional dentistry 
that lead to chronic health stress or oxidative stress or health breakdown, however you want to look at that. Um, so a lot of people who are coming to me want their mercury fillings out. They want their root canals removed and replaced with ceramic implants or a partial denture or something like that. Um, so oftentimes their goals are they want to wake up and feel better in the morning. You know, they, they don't want to feel exhausted all the time or they would like to resolve the issues that they have heart palpitations or, you know, I mean, a lot of systemic tie-ins um, from issues that are stemming from their oral health conditions. And as you might imagine, um, <laughs> when people go to their, their dentist, many, many dentists anyways, um, and they say, gosh, you know, ever since I had this root canal, I've had pain in my right knee. And they'll say, well, you know, you better go see your orthopedist because, you know, root canal has nothing to do with your knee. And what we do understand is that all teeth are, you know, they exist along energetic meridians that connect to all the other organ systems in your body um, and your joints and your skin and, and, and that sort of thing. So um, it's incredible the health, uh, the regaining of health or the health recoveries that my team and I have been able to observe over the past six or seven years that we've been practicing more of a biological approach. Um, it's, and it just keeps progressing, right? These days uh, we now have the opportunity because technologies improve, right? Um, we have the capacity to assess what dental materials are least reactive and most reactive for any person's given bio-individual nature. How helpful would that be before you had dental work done if you already knew uh, what impl which implants, in, in my practice, we only use ceramic implants, but ceramic implants, crown materials, filling materials, uh, denture materials, if you knew what materials were least reactive for that person's biological makeup, how many issues could you potentially prevent uh, before starting care, right? So that's something that we offer to patients. You know, many, many don't choose it because of the time involved and it's, you know, they have to fast in order to do it or, or they might not understand the concept, honestly. Right. Um, and frankly, <laughs> I have to say most of the materials that I've used for 20 years, it's, it's interesting how these high, high quality materials tend to show up as the least reactive components for most people, but it's not all. You know, and so if somebody tends to feel like I'm a more sensitive individual, it's certainly something I would recommend to them uh, so that, you know, they can decrease risk of, of poor outcomes. You brought up so many good examples. And one of the reasons I wanted to have you on the show was because your Instagram is so fascinating. We have links to it in the show notes. When it comes to those least and most reactive materials and the energetic meridian lines. I know you have heaps of stories to share. Can you share with me the importance of, or maybe the dangers of mixing metals throughout the body if someone is coming to see you for any kind of dental care, whether it's getting something removed or getting something put in and they already have metals somewhere else in their body? Right. Um, uh, yeah, this is, we could spend a whole day talking about this. You know, it's, it, it is, again, like technology has allowed us to do interesting things. 
Um, and, and I'm not saying that metals are bad, right? Um, there are certainly many instances where if, you know, God forbid you're in a horrible car accident and, you know, you need to have bones stabilized or something that like, you know, th those are the go-to products. Um, now, whether they're left for a lifetime is a completely different uh, consideration. And from what I understand from, orth you know, my orthopedic and uh, podiatry surgeons that I know, like back in the early days of using metal supports, the intention was you would go back after the bones had healed and remove those metal materials, right? Uh, these days, oftentimes that doesn't happen. And if you think about metals that get put in the mouth, those are intended to be maybe not lifelong, but as long as you can get out of them, right? And of course, when we complicate things by energetically, I mean, when we energetically comp complicate things by connecting dissimilar metals and not even physically connected, but through a, you know, like a salt bath, which is what your saliva is. You know, if you've got a porcelain fused to metal crown, let's say, and you've got three mercury fillings that were placed by three different dentists, so they're three different alloys, and then you put a gold crown on top of one of those things, like the amount, and maybe you fracture a tooth and you get a titanium implant, a metal screw, and a metal abutment, like you just start adding up the energetic potential for risk. And I mean, I just have seen so many people where their health is struggling and it wasn't from the first metal, right? Like maybe they had fillings placed as a kid. Yeah. You know, the mercury exposure is not good for your health, but it wasn't, they felt vital, you know, they were doing okay. And then as life went on, you know, maybe they had a knee surgery that introduced some metals. And then maybe they had a crown put on that had metal and a titanium implant. And at some point, that mild energetic shift becomes a problem. Like it's overwhelming the body's own mild energetics and there becomes a disruption. So, and it's interesting because I've observed firsthand removing metals from people's mouth and it's like you flicked a switch, right? Like suddenly their vision clears up. I mean, th things that are crazy. Shoulder pain goes away immediately as soon as I remove a, a titanium implant, let's say. It, it's fascinating the things I've observed, uh, you know, right in front of my very eyes, what people share that they experience. Um, thankfully, in the world of oral healthcare these days, the, the numbers of materials that we have that are biologically compatible now from filling materials to crowns, to veneers, to implants. Um, you know, there are ceramics for all of those things. And ceramics, generally speaking, you know, that, that is a non-reactive material. So how nice, <laughs> you know, if, if you're going to put something in your mouth that's going to experience friction and your tongue and mucosa rubbing up against it all the time, that it would be a non-reactive safe material. I would like to say I'm seeing less or fewer mercury fillings being placed as they were when I was a kid 50 years ago, um, but they're still being placed like 40 to 50% of the posterior fillings in America are still mercury-based fillings. And I mean, we know that mercury is a known neurotoxin. Uh, it really has no place in the mouth or anywhere else in the body. So um, 
I find it odd that, you know, on the, the box that it comes in and I haven't, I haven't held one since dental school, but you know, it's kind of the skull and crossbones, like beware, this is toxic. Uh, and, and of course, when we remove them from people's mouths, we our efflux line goes to a mercury separation tank that costs thousands of dollars. We have to separate the mercury from the, the outgoing uh, sludge because it's so toxic and unsafe to be in our water supply. But lo and behold, somehow the FDA wants you to believe that when it's in your mouth, it's safe, uh, as does the American Dental Association. It really makes no sense. Um, I, I think people are getting wise, however. You know, you look at the organic food movement, the wellness movement. I think people really are becoming wise and and hopefully also becoming um uh, advocating for themselves, becoming their own health advocates to say, I understand, you know, uh, Dr. X, you might think this is the best filling material. However, you know, this is my body. Uh, these are the things I would like to choose to put in them. And if we are honoring people's autonomy, we will, you know, allow them the choice and put in their mouths what they were asking for. What happens when the dentist says, you need this cavity filled? Yeah. Okay. So thank you for asking, because this is like, this is where I start with most dental professionals. Um, when I was in dental school and trying to wrestle with, you know, asking God, why did you put me on this path? Right. I already had my master's degree program set up, ready to go. Uh, you know, and as I listened to the people around me talking, you know, well, uh, Jim, you need this filling and this crown. And Susie, you need this gum scaling and root planing. And, and I'm thinking to myself, is that true? You know, is there truth in what we are saying to people who are asking us for help? And, and of course, there is zero truth in that language. Uh, I understand the, the concept, right? Like we're, we're recommending that you, you know, do some level of care, but it's not needed, you know? And the reason I say that is that I have patients who have full dentures. They have no teeth. They clearly do not need teeth to be lovely human beings and to function, you know, and, and, and enjoy their lives. So to say you need that is really, um, it is leaning into the power dynamic in a very inappropriate fashion, in my opinion. Because you're, you're, you're the perceived as the dentist or the hygienist. You are the perceived expert. So when we say you need something, unless you have a high degree of confrontational tolerance, most people will just say, okay. And even if it doesn't resonate with them. And, and one of the things we talk to our patients about a lot is, you know, until you have a sense, like an energetic sense that, yes, that resonates with me. You know, my advice is don't pull the trigger yet. Wait until you, you, you feel it in your gut. Like, yep, this is exactly what I knew I, you know, would be appropriate for me. Um, and you go from there. So yeah, the language of you need, and it's not just dentistry, of course, it, it could be in any industry, especially in the medical pro profession, right? Like you need a vaccine, you need a pill, you know, you need heart pills or, I mean, I don't know, right? There are always more than one option. I think that's something I would like to add to that as well, is that when a, a provider, and again, I'm not going to limit this to dentistry, when a provider says, you need this, 
it excludes the conversation that would be appropriate to have so that they can, in fact, make informed consent. Because if they're not being given all of their options, how on earth can you make informed consent? But if you said you need it, right, then where do you go from there? It's either a, okay, yes, doctor, I'll do it, or, um, you know, I'll call you later and it's a no. But it stops the conversation either way, you know? Uh, it, and at the end of the day, it is not honoring of a person's autonomous ability to choose. But I, in fact, tell people when they come to interview at my practice, you know, how, how comfortable are you with relearning language? And, and because if they're like, Ooh, that feels weird. It's like, okay, that's maybe a sign. This isn't going to work well because my team is not allowed to use the words need or should. We don't should people. We don't offer guilt provoking, you know, we, we intentionally choose our words so that we get to a deeper connection and, and, and a truthful approach to care and one that's an, based on real informed consent where they actually have been given all of their options. So that's, it's a, it's part of my mindset. I love that mindset. I love that way of thinking. Now, can you tell me about getting, or maybe I should say, what are your thoughts on wisdom teeth and having them removed? Sure. That's a great question. It, the short answer is it's a really bio-individualized deal, in my opinion. If you have, I mean, let's, let's say arguably, uh, let's say we all, you know, grew six fingers per hand. Right. And it became the fashion that we just cut off one finger for everybody around age 18 because your parents insurance covers it. You know, it's like that's kind of the direction that wisdom teeth have gone. I've actually had people email me or message me on Instagram and say, my child is due for their wisdom teeth extraction as though it's a literal rite of passage. Right. Like we're expecting everybody to have them out. I would say, number one, they're in your body for a reason. If it is healthful to keep them, I would certainly encourage people to do so. Now, that being said, this summer, you know, I took out the upper wisdom teeth for my older daughter. Why? Because they came in sideways, you know, and she has no lower wisdom teeth. So like in her, in her situation, they provided not only no usefulness, but they were growing into her cheek tissue, which was creating problems with her cheeks. Right. So in those instances, and there are plenty of those, right? Like wisdom teeth that are poorly aligned or they're laying down sideways and T-boning the, the second molars. You know, I mean, we see all sorts of, of interesting presentations, you might say. And in those cases, I would say, yeah, absolutely. Taking them out would be a wise health choice in the long run. And my encouragement would be, we would want to graft those sites using their own healing cells, which we call it LPRF, leukocytes, white blood cells, and platelet-rich fibrin. It's basically like instant scab, if you will. We can actually extract those cells from people's blood um, and then put them into their extraction sites so that foreign materials, food particles, things like that, cannot gain entrance into those areas and thereby trying to prevent uh, future bone issues that we'll probably talk about later. 
Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Well, let's talk about it now. So tell okay. me when someone gets their yeah. wisdom teeth removed or maybe any tooth removed, what are the risks, benefits, where can infection happen? Walk me through that as well as the grafting process. Surely. So it depends a little bit on the tooth that we're extracting, right? So the vast majority of teeth I'm removing are teeth that have been treated with root canals. So a root canal, once a tooth has been treated with a root canal, the dentin, which is 80% of your tooth structure, it's not the part you see because the part you see is covered with enamel, right? But the rest of the tooth, which is the majority of the tooth structure, is porous like a sponge. So as soon as you have a root canal performed, microbes that are under the gum line start crawling inside of your tooth and, and literally filling up that sponge-like material with all sorts of microbes, parasites, bacteria, fungi, viruses. And, uh, and so as you can imagine, let's say somebody had a root canal 20 years ago and that tooth has been infected for almost 20 years or you know, at least teeming with microbes, whether you want to call that infection or not is up to the, the person listening, but um, arguably it's not supposed to be there. You know, um, The bone has been, your immune system that's connected to that living jawbone is has had to be doing work that entire time. So when I'm removing those teeth, you know, ensuring that the the bone has been cleaned well, and oftentimes you have to thin out what's called the lamina dura. It's the very dense bone that's right next to the root. Uh, you have to thin that out so that you can allow blood flow, good access to that extraction site, you know, without good blood flow connection, you know, things aren't, aren't going to heal very well. So, um, so arguably if it was a tooth that has never had a root canal and it was being, let's say it was being removed for orthodontic purposes or something like that. Um, you still have to, you know, clean out all the soft tissue in that socket, right? Like, but you're not often going to find abscesses and things like that, that I normally find when I'm cleaning up, uh, these root canal sites. So, you know, the, the body's native healing system would be let the blood flow into that, that hole where you just removed a tooth and form a blood clot. And that can work, right? I mean, there, there are instances where that can work. Uh, the problem is people go on about their merry lives and, you know, they might go out and drink carbonated beverages. They might go out and smoke a joint or some cigarettes, or, you know, they might, eat a taco that night and they're, you know, corn chip harpoons their extraction site. I mean, I've seen all sorts of odd things, but um, point being that that blood clot is wimpy and can fall apart pretty quickly. So one of the primary advantages we see was we're using uh, the LPRF membranes, not only like due to your body, it, it increases things like your body's own growth factors into that site but it has physical integrity that helps you to avoid these problems that I just mentioned that you would see with a, a typical blood clot. So to your question about like, well, what can happen if things go bad? Um, the stories I often hear from people, and I'm sure you've heard them from friends, or maybe you even experienced this in your own life. I hope not, but maybe it happened where, um, you know, like you get wisdom teeth out. And let's say the wisdom teeth were partially exposed to begin with. So you can't, you can't really close the gum tissue over the top of the hole. Uh, and, you know, you develop a dry socket. 
or you develop, you know, which means the actual clot comes out and you have exposed bone. Now your saliva, which is teeming with microbes, any food particles or things that you might be sipping on, it all has access to this hole and it can be painful. Uh, it can ultimately in the long term set up what is described as a fatty degenerative osteonecrosis, meaning dead bone of the jaw. The, the acronym acronym of the day is FDOJ. And it's more commonly referred to as a cavitation lesion. Um, it's such a confusing word, right? Because when you say cavitation, oftentimes dentists who've never heard of this before, they think, are you talking about a cavity, like a hole in a tooth? And and, and no, it, it actually, that, that term cavitation refers to what we now refer to as FDOJs or fatty degenerative osteonecrosis of the jaw. Um, it is in essence a dead area of bone that is frequently teeming with microbes. And one, it disrupts the energetics of the body along that meridian, which happens one of the most significant for the wisdom teeth sites is the cardiac meridian. So if your heart meridian is experiencing energetic problems, um, and I have seen this with 20-year-olds who had infected wisdom teeth or infected, um, you know, uh, extraction sites, and it's just unbelievable once you get it cleared up, like, oh, so I don't need to start taking heart pills at 25, you know, because their cardiologist doesn't understand that, like, that's a part of the system that's relating to what their heart's experiencing. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, I, I help a lot of people with those issues. Um, I attempt, well, let me, let me offer some clarification here too, Ashley. So one of the things we have incorporated in our practice in the past two years that has helped to un better understand areas of pathology in people's mouths is a system called acupuncture meridian assessment. And it is, um, it was originally called EAV or electroacupuncture according to Vol or Dr. Vol of Germany, right? So acupuncture meridian assessment, AMA, is more of a modern, um, it doesn't take two plus hours to do, um, a version that was developed by Dr. Simon Yu in St. Louis, Missouri. And so my team and I have done, you know, a few trainings out in St. Louis with him as we have developed the skill set to measure energetic flow along various meridians, particularly the dental meridians for people. Uh, not only is that helpful, as you might imagine, in terms of measuring energy flow just as they are pre-surgically, but let's say you're removing an infected tooth. And you would like to get their body back to energetic balance before putting in all the LPRF and such. We now have the capability of measuring that during surgery, like before surgery, during surgery, and then during their follow-ups as well. And we can support them with things like neural therapy, procaine, ozone, vitamin C. Uh, there are ways to energetically aid in that healing process, which is fascinating. I mean, I just continue to be blown away by what's possible in relatively non-invasive fashions. You have so much wisdom and so much knowledge. I'm 
really excited that you're here today. I want to hear more about these meridian energetic fields and lines. I've heard that every tooth is connected to a part of the body. So can you share some insight into that as well as maybe a few success stories that you've dealt with? Yeah, for sure. Um, well, one of the stories I've shared many a time, just cause it was such a, uh, an eye opener. And I think we want to be open-minded to like, we can't disconnect that. Not only are we talking about energy meridians, we're also talking about that every tooth in the mouth is also connected to a lymphatic drainage system, which ultimately pours back into your venous blood supply and circulates throughout your body. So every bit of microbial exposure Again, I, I want to be cautious and not necessarily say infection because I've had some dentists say, well, that's not infected. I say, well, it's full of microbes. And I say, well, I mean, if it's not painful, it's not infected. And I'm like, well, we might just, you know, we might just have to agree to disagree on that. But, you know, so, I mean, let's just call it microbial exposure in places where your body's not intended to have microbes. Okay. Uh, it's kind of like leaky gut, Right. Um, if people have leaky gut or even leaky gum syndrome, let's say like gum disease, you know, we know that that's everybody, every dentist would agree inflamed gums and the infection that our body is exposed to through those inflamed gums is not only is it problematic, it causes disease states that we, I mean, it's been proven uh, Brad Bale and Amy Donine, like six, seven years ago, published an article showing the causative path of this process from gum disease. Um, and the whole profession is like, yay, let's all treat gum disease. But the same microbes accessing your body through your dead teeth, that somehow that's not a problem, apparently. I mean, at least that's the stance of the, the profession. And I mean, hopefully as time goes by, people will wake up to this. But, you know, we've had clinicians, uh, Weston A. Price 100 years ago was doing work demonstrating the chronically infective nature of root canals. And I mean, basically they just poo-pooed it all. And, um, you know, Boyd Haley 20 years ago was doing the same work out of Uni university of Kentucky. And as I understand it, his lab mysteriously burned, you know, kind of crazy. Um, but you know, the things that he was showing is like every root canal treated tooth that they extracted and tested against five different enzymes, human enzymes, every single root canal tooth would alter them, all those enzymes in pathological fashions. All the extracted teeth that were removed for orthodontic purposes and had no uh, root canals and therefore had no microbes inside of them didn't alter the enzymes at all. It's just fascinating, right? This, is, this stuff isn't new. Um, I've sent in over 500 extracted teeth, root canal treated teeth to DNA connections in Colorado because I'm that curious. And I've, you know, I've paid for more than half of them. It's been a massive investment, but it's because I'm that curious and I want to verify, in fact, really, is that true? You know, does every extracted root canal tooth, is it loaded with microbes? And lo and behold, they certainly are. Um, as I mentioned before, bacteria, viruses, fungi, parasites, it's all in there. Uh, it's, it's, it's pretty toxic stuff. So anyways, of, I, I got off the energetic meridian <laughs> path. Sorry. 
No, that's okay. We'll get back into it. But one of my favorite doctors is Tom Levy and the hidden epidemic where he says that every single root canal is infected, 100% of them. They're all, even if you don't have any symptoms. Yep. And it makes so much sense to hear you say that. So I just wanted to put that in there because I love talking about books, resources where people can go to do their own research. So let's go back to those meridian lines. I know that you said on, I think it was your Instagram, you saw a woman who, did she have bladder issues and it was the two front teeth that oh. were connected? Oh yeah. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah, Tori, that was, um, that was a real eye opener as well. And, and, and yeah, her story was, uh, she had lived in Portland her whole life. She moved to Colorado. Um, she was walking out of her apartment one night, slipped on black ice and fell on her face. I mean, you know, sadly this stuff happens all the time. It sucks, but, um, you know, such is life. Right. So, um, she, had you know she went in and saw a dentist they repositioned the teeth and said you're going to need root canals and there's the language again right now interestingly tori was like pretty savvy in terms of health awareness and she's like yeah i don't i don't want root canals and and unfortunately and i'm saying unfortunately just because of what it yielded for her health she didn't experience pain once the the teeth got reset but and it's interesting that you bring up Tom Levy because in his book, Hidden Epidemic, by the way, he was one of my instructors at the American College of Integrative oh. Medicine and Dentistry. Um, he is just a wonderful guy. And I've gleaned so much from him personally and from his, his books are great. Uh, by the way, anybody who hasn't read Curing the Incurable about the history of vitamin C and how to use it for your health. Go pick up a copy and read Curing the Incurable Amazing. But anyways, getting back to Hidden Epidemic, another one of his incredible books. I've had my entire team read it. He states in that book that the most toxic dead tooth scenario isn't the root canal treated tooth, although that is pretty toxic. It's the dead tooth that has had no treatment because not only are the sidewalls, all the dentin, completely porous, but the internal pulp chamber, as those, let's say a tooth get like, like Tori's, it got injured, the blood supply gets cut off, those tissues then turn to pus and drain out the end. That, that space inside the tooth that's now hollow just becomes filled with microbes. And it is a massively toxic system. Now, here was her interesting thing is that within three months after hitting her face, she, and she'd never had a bladder infection in her life. She started experiencing bladder infections so severe that she was being hospitalized every month to two months. So she would go in with a severe bladder infection. They'd put her on IVs to hydrate her, use you know IV antibiotics, get things quote unquote cleaned up, and then she'd go back to her life, and then she'd be back there, you know, again. And it was through um, doing research, you know, her own work because you know, of course, no. Um, no physician was going to acknowledge this could have anything to do with her teeth. She kind of made her own connections, made her way back to Portland and, you know, came to my office for some help. And it was an interesting ex experiment, if you want to call it that, where um, we removed the two teeth. 
I created splinted ceramic fake teeth, you know, in the same visit. I then bonded them to her adjacent teeth using a fiberglass reinforcement uh, tape so that it would look just like her teeth and kind of maintain all the soft tissue architecture. Because, you know, part of my, my, the trickery of being a dentist and doing what I do is it's not just functional. It also has to be aesthetic, right? We're talking about people's smiles. So anyways, we got her teeth out and golly, for like the past two years or three years, I, let's see, it's been at least two and a half years since we took the teeth out. No more bladder infections. They went away as soon as the teeth were removed, which is just such a like, whoa, you know, I mean, now I'm to the point where it doesn't surprise me anymore because I've seen it for years and years with hundreds of patients. But, you know, the first handful of times you observe these shifts and and we're talking like I'll, I'll share another story. One of the first people where I did a you know surgical cavitation removal because this wasn't stuff I was taught in school or in residency. Um, a woman had come to me, and here's her story. At her, she was early twenties, went in and had all four wisdom teeth removed. The next day, she woke up with severe pain in her lower left jaw. Now, you know, after surgery, it's it's understandable you might experience discomfort, and that's that's that can be normal. I've had plenty of my own surgeries. I know that can be true. But it never went away. And, you know, the, her, her oral surgeon and dentist were like, well, you know, it, it's got to be one of your teeth because her teeth had some fillings. Before I met her, okay, 40 years had passed and she had had five teeth root canaled, ch- trying to chase down the pain that she had been experiencing over those four decades. Now, I'm looking at this and just going, wow, like that's, you know. Literally, they got to the point where they did the fifth root canal. It didn't, it didn't, quote unquote, fix it. So, of course, as you might guess, then they just put her on, you know, uh, like pain meds. And this is the best we can do. So the woman's like kind of, you know, stony. And that's just how they were managing it. Is When we finally like looked at her cone beam, and, and thankfully, again, like we have these technologies and have for the past 15 years, we're able to visualize, whoa, like that, that area of your wisdom tooth has no density to it whatsoever. Now, at that time, I didn't have the energetic assessment and all that. But as we opened the area of jawbone, we found exactly what the name that I shared earlier, fatty degenerative osteonecrosis of the jaw, you should see in healthy bone, you should see blood flow. And this was like, you know, the size of a silver dollar, uh, you know, in its diameter and just full of fatty necrotic stuff. Here's the shocking thing. We take it all out. We put it in a vial, send it to DNA connections. And of course, there's all sorts of parasites and bacteria and such in the thing. What was amazing is that the following day, her pain was gone. Oh. And it's like, I'm like, you know, just like, <laughs> okay, okay, Lord, what else don't I know? You know, like, what what other things have I completely missed out on in, in my attempt to help people? Um, that was a eye opener, let me tell you. And, uh, you know, and we continue to see these, these stories and people's health journeys where their, their quality of life is so significantly improved. When we convert, if you want to put it that way, 
their oral health and their oral installments, fillings, crowns, implants, to things that are biologically compatible and conducive. Hello, my curious and lovely biohacking listeners. I wanted to take this time to remind you to take a breath, a deep breath. Try to fill your belly up rather than your chest. Really, really move the air through your body and put your arms overhead. And if you haven't yet, reach over, touch your toes, get into a few different planes of movement today. I know sometimes it's easier said than done, but I was actually listening to my podcast, my own podcast earlier this week. And when I heard my break in the middle, I thought, oh, that is a good reminder because I haven't put my arms overhead yet. So. I wanted to let you know the sponsor for today is called Bubble and Bee. They make personal care products, but my favorite is their toothpaste and it's stored in a glass jar. It's not made with any nasty chemicals. It's actually one of my favorite products they make. And I didn't know how big the jar was when I first bought it because I'm used to very small tiny toothpaste jars and when it came it was quite big i actually think it's two ounces and i bought two of them so now i think i have toothpaste to last me (laughs) for like two years but this is something that i wanted to bring up even though dr blodgett says it's more about diet it's more about what you're habitually doing day in and day out but I did want to let you know about the toothpaste that I use. You can find it by going to my website, ashleydealy.com slash bubble and B. And B is spelled like a bumblebee. So it's B-U-B-B-L-E, the word and, and then B, B-E-E. You can also use I also bought their deodorant, which I really like, but since this episode today is focused on dental care and oral care, I thought the theme would go well with the toothpaste that they offer. And I don't think I've told anyone this story yet, and I know it's a bit of a long interlude, but I actually had a crown fall off right after interviewing Dr. Blodgett. And because I moved to New York about a year ago, I actually don't have a dentist. So I was forced to find one quite quickly. And there are a few things that I think are really important when it comes to finding the right dentist. And this is something that Dr. Blodgett and I will discuss today, but I went on to the website, which is the International Academy of Oral Medicine and Toxology. So I-A-O-M-T certified. And you can search for dentists in your state. And I spent hours, you guys, hours doing research because even though dentists are on this website, They're not all going to be biological and holistic. So I spent hours calling dentists, asking if they use fluoride, asking if they use ozone, asking if they could mill the crown in the office, asking if they offer a cone beam scan, if they use ozone, if they use IV therapy. I was considering going to see Dr. Blodgett, getting on a plane ASAP to go see him because I know that he is hands down, the best biological dentist in the entire world. But my schedule didn't permit for it. 
Luckily, after doing hours and hours of research, I was able to find a dentist who I loved. And I learned when I went to her practice that she actually also is an Ayurvedic medicine doctor. And she just became certified as a sleep doctor and she used to teach yoga. She and I got on like a house on fire. We resonated so well. And I feel like that's so important when you're choosing your team of healthcare professionals. You can use this as your guide for when you're finding dentists in your area. And I just wanted to share that story with you because I feel like that's how we learn. I know I shared a story with you guys earlier when I had Dr. Tony Ingram on my show the second time of how I had that horrible dental experience. It felt nerve wracking and frustrating and a bit overwhelming to try to find a new dentist. But when you put in the time and effort, I feel like that's when things start to align and fall into place. And one of the stories that this dentist and I spoke about was removing amalgam fillings. And this dentist said that she had a patient where she had removed all her amalgam fillings and said that this patient no longer had chronic pain. So I feel like it's all connected and it's one of the reasons that I have my show is to help share these stories. So speaking of these healing journeys and how our bodies are connected, I'll wrap up this interlude so we can get back to the show. Here we go. I love that you're sharing these stories. It's all connected. I want to know if someone has good oral hygiene, but maybe they have a couple root canals, maybe one crown or so, when should they reevaluate the crown or the root canal to make sure that their oral health is in tip top shape? That's an awesome question. And my answer is going to be a little tough because there are really so few options for energetic testing, but we might, we might consider leaning into um, supportive health team members like um, naturopaths, uh, acupuncturists, massage therapists, anybody who has been trained in energetic assessments, whether it's EAV or AMA uh, type of where you're actually measuring energy flow or uh, somebody who is uh, very skilled at doing muscle testing. In my opinion and experience, which is considerable at this point, if you have, let's say it's somebody who's 55 years old, they feel great. They get up in the morning, they've got good vitality and they got three root canals and three mercury fillings, let's say, right? There's a, there's an argument that their degree of health and vitality and lifestyle choices and nutrition and movement of their body and sunlight and all in positive thinking may completely overwhelm the potential toxicity and risk that those dental issues present. Okay. So it's possible they, they might just live life and not be, that won't be what takes them down. Right. But at the very least, it could be helpful to measure and assess, are they in fact in energetic balance or not, right? So in our practice, that is a tool that, that we use. And, you know, I get people around the world who ask me questions like this, and I encourage them, find somebody who's doing EAV testing or somebody who does good muscle testing or pendulum testing or ACMOS testing, or, you know, there's all sorts of different ways to read energetic fields, which is in essence what we're doing, 
I know some people that might sound like, wow, that's so woo woo. It's like, we're literally physical embodiments of energy. Like, why would we be surprised that we can actually read it? We just have to be willing to look through a different lens than we've been presented, uh, you know, with our macroscopic view of, of health. Um, so without measuring, we really don't know is, is the bottom line. Um, I will caution people because it's, it's something I see in my practice all too often, you know, a new patient will come in, we'll gather all the information and they'll say, do you see a cavitation? I'm like, I, I, I can't, I can't see cavitation, right? It's, it's, I can see density on cone beam CT scans. Now, because of experience, I might be able to um, have a suspicion as to whether there may be some fatty degenerative issues in their bone, but I can't say that conclusively. Even an EAV or AMA reading isn't conclusive. It's just information, right? So technically speaking, and, and, I, and I will share that um, I'm pretty flexible in my thinking with patients, but there are certain things that I'm hard and fast on. Like if we're going to clean out jawbone, I will be sending this to DNA Connections in Colorado, period. It's part of the plan because I want to, you know, I well, one, I want to validate that in fact what we removed was infected. Secondarily, I also want that patient to have information of what their body's been exposed to so that they can share it with the other members of their health team and we can all work together to support their immune system in managing what they've been exposed to over time, right? I love that idea of looking through a different lens and having a pretty broad idea of health or keeping an open mind. I also imagine that when you send these samples out and you get them back, it's your opportunity to share with your patient, hey, you do have these parasites and you did test positive for Lyme so that yeah. they can go forward to their naturopath and other healthcare providers and work on a plan to overcome this. So you've mentioned quite a few technologies within your office. I've heard you say 3D cone beam. Can you walk us through what these leading edge technologies yeah. include? And if your dentist office doesn't offer them, don't go there. That's my <laughs> advice. Well, yeah. I mean, I want to have some heart because, you know, when I started my journey, like I'll, I'll tell you, it's kind of a funny part of my, my history is you know, I'd never owned a business before in 2001 when I bought my practice. So I'm like, okay, for one year, I'm, I'm just going to try to hold the steering wheel and just, you know, pray this all goes smoothly. And I don't, cause I don't know what I'm doing here. Right. I, I knew the dentistry, but I didn't understand running a business. So thankfully after a year, things are going well. I chose in 2002 to buy two soft tissue lasers. One was a diode laser. One was a free running pulsed uh, what's called an NDAG laser. Both are used for like gum management and, and disruption of uh, infected biofilms under the gum line and things. And, and that was really my first taste of technological integration into the practice. Um, since that time, oh my goodness, we just, I just went through with a new employee. We had somebody start a uh, new hygienist start with us last week. And she's like, will you walk me through all your lasers? So we went through, we have 10 lasers in our practice, right? And of those 10 lasers, we probably have five, I think it's five different wavelengths. So the reason that's important is that each wavelength, or if you want to think of it this way, each color 
of light, even though they're not in the visible spectrum, they, they come in various wavelengths that have different materials into which they are well absorbed. So those first couple lasers I bought, highly absorbed by dark pigmented uh, things like, like the dark pigmented, pigmented uh, anaerobic bacteria that infect the gums. You know, like go figure. Um, let's see, one, two, three, four of my lasers are highly absorbed by water. So let's say you want to, you know, treat an area of decay in a tooth that has a lot more moisture to it than the healthy tooth. Well, what an easy way to remove that, right? Like pulsed light that targets water. It, because there's water, I mean, everything's got water in the mouth. Freenums, gum tissue, right? Um, like people who have tongue ties, you know, or actually I removed a papilloma on a woman's tongue last week. Zero bleeding, you know? And it doesn't create thermal damage because of the way that that specific wavelength is absorbed into the tissue. There, there's certainly a thermal event, but it's literally, you know, the pulses of light as it's absorbed by the water in the tongue are self-coagulating. It's fascinating, you know? So lasers are a big deal. Um, I use air abrasion, which is something most dentists have heard about but don't use. Um, it's a little thing that makes a massive difference in terms of bond quality. So, you know, most savvy dentists these days are doing bonded procedures, right? They're bonding to the dent and they're bonding to enamel so that we don't have to destroy teeth like we did when I was in dental school, right? These days we have great bonding technologies. But just as if you were trying to put paint or maybe a, a varnish on wood, you would want to sand that wood to a very even and clean consistency. What we know in the dental world is when you're drilling with either a diamond burr or a, or a carbide burr, it leaves very inconsistent surfacing on the tooth structure. So one of the ways that we, we address that, and I have for the past decade, is we use air abrasion over everything that we bond. It creates a perfectly smooth, uniform texture so that I can predictably bond to both surfaces of dentin and enamel. And, and I'll tell you, it's like, we really don't deal with issues of sensitivity, right? It's when we hire new assistants, they're like, how is it that nobody has sensitivity? And then we walk through the process and, you know, um, secondarily to that, like after I air braid and do my etching process, I then expose the dentin, which is where the, you know, it's where the, the tubules are, the pores of the dentin. Um, we use ozone gas over the dentin. There's an electromagnetic attraction between ozone and the microbes that would be in those tubules. So it desensitizes the nerves, kills any microbes that might be in there, which is another great way to minimize sensitivity and use a product that nobody's allergic to, right? Nobody's allergic to oxygen. Um, I'll have to admit, you know, for until I came across ozone, I was using a, a product called Gluma. It was a glutaraldehyde material, which, you know, if you get it on the tooth, it's not so toxic, but sometimes you get it on the gums, it's highly toxic, right? So it's like, yeah, I think oxygen would be a better way to go. Um, what other technology? Oh, yeah. I mean, also along the, the pardon the pun, along the wavelength of lasers and light, um, <laughs> We, yeah, I know it's bad. Um, the, uh, I guess this was two and a half years ago. Um, we invested what's called a Novathor bed. 
It's a full body red light and infrared light therapy bed. Imagine like after your stressful dental procedure, if you could go lie in a bed that puts it like physiologically puts you into a parasympathetic state of relaxation. Um, it has been such a blessing to our patients and our team members, right? It, it amplifies energy production within your mitochondria. And, and it's just part of the, the service that we provide. I don't charge people extra for that. Um, it's just, I want people to feel well and feel well supported and heal. Uh, so that's something we chose to do right at our, it was for our 20th anniversary celebration two and a half years ago. And man, people are over the moon about it. We do a lot of photobiomodulation stuff, I'll have to say. Uh, and then there's like intraoral scanning. Like we don't, we don't do goopy impressions anymore and we haven't for years. It's all scanned. Uh, now, once in a, there's always one patient a year where, you know, maybe they've got so much tissue loss, it's really hard to get a good scan. But pretty much everybody who's having quote unquote impressions, it's all scanning technology, which of course, there's no pouring up models. There's no dust to breathe in. You're literally emailing it to your lab. Uh, you know, oh, and the other technology, gosh, how did I not think of this first and foremost? Uh, 20 years ago, I started using a, a, a system called CIREC. It is a, a, a digital system that's been around for almost 40 years. It's, it's improved vastly in the last 20 Um where all of the ceramic things I make for people's teeth, veneers, crowns, inlays, onlays, they all get milled right there, then and there. You don't have to wear temporaries. So, I mean, the number of temporaries I might make in a year are, I could probably count them on my two hands. It's just not something we generally do. Uh, and people love it, you know, because they don't have to come back. There's <laughs> I, a lot I of... I feel like they would want to come back. Your clinic sounds like a biohacker's paradise. Yeah, it no, it, it it is. And I would say in the past year, the the latest and greatest technologies I've incorporated um, between my CIREX system, my 3D cone, cone beam system that allow us to create three-dimensional scans of people's skulls, all of those systems synergize together so that when I'm planning on, on creating holes for implants, right, we're going to, we're going to, you know, create our osteotomy, the hole in the bone to place the implants. I get to design where I want a tooth first, right? It's kind of like if you're going to build a house or, or you know, you, you got, or if you want to lay your foundation for the house, know what the house is going to look like first, you know? So that's what we do. We build the tooth digitally incorporated into the three-dimensional scan. And then I get to print a guide that helps me put that implant in that exact position which is, you know, I used to have to farm this. I mean, oh my goodness. When I first started sending these things out to labs, I would have to send it to Germany. This is 15 years ago, mind you, but I have to send it to Germany. It would take a month. Now it takes me about an hour and a half and I can have a fully printed guide. You know, it's wow. the, the technology and the, the capabilities we have. And on top of that, imagine like, for many people, not always, but for many people, the day that we extract teeth, we are often able to then reshape that extraction site, place the implant in, mill a custom designed tooth that we keep out of the bite so you can't, you know, bang it around. And they leave with a tooth in their mouth that looks just like their, their old tooth, if not better. One of the technologies that we've come across that people 
seem to love is called Alpha Stim. And the idea is it's this little pack that sends a very mild current to little connectors that we put on people's earlobes. And and what's nice too is that the, the patient is able to control uh, the setting on it, you know, so if they want a little more, they can turn it up. If they want a little less, turn it down. But basically, it um, it sends an alpha waveform uh, from ear to ear, and makes which is the alpha waveform is that that sense of it's the form that your uh, brain activity you sense right as you're going to sleep. So when you're kind of like, oh, you know, I'm just I'm still awake, but I'm drifting off. Um, that's that's what the alpha wave uh, form feels like. So it's it's really cool. People put it on and they just feel like they describe it as having a martini or two, you know? Um, and the beauty is when you're done, you just turn it off. You know, there's no, there's no drugs or anything associated with it. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's a huge hit with our, with our patients. I love that. It sounds so relaxing at your clinic. It feels like the only thing you're missing is a float tank. (laughs) Yes. And I've run out of, uh, of square footage in my building. (laughs) Yeah. Wouldn't that be fun though? I love the sound of all these technologies. Do you offer IV drips? Oh yeah. Yeah. Like, and again, this comes into like vitamin C in our practice. And when I say vitamin C, I want to be very clear. I mean, sodium ascorbate, which is pH neutral, not ascorbic acid. And, you know, for a long time we were using ascorbic acid and putting it into lactated ringers, not really thinking about what's the long-term consequence of dripping a mild acid into people's veins, you know? So it's just become a way that, again, decreasing risk and improving biocompatibility, use something that's pH neutral. So um, anybody can check out the company Pure C. It's P-U-R-C. I mean, I use it every day myself orally. I, I use their, I think it's called Essence C. I use their their powder in my morning green drink and sip on water with, you know, low concentration vitamin C throughout the day. It's awesome. You led me right into my next topic, talking about vitamin C. Earlier, you mentioned Weston A. Price, and yep. I had the president of the Weston A. Price Foundation on my show a while back, and I feel like this could be an entire another hour, but we don't need yeah. to make it. But walk me through the importance of nutrition and dental care. Oh, man. Yeah. Wow. You know, one, one thing I would offer, uh, two books. I know I've covered a few other before, but two books that I've had every every one of my team members read, and I've handed out these books to my patients over the years. Number one is called The Dental Diet by Dr. Stephen Lynn from Australia. He is a lovely man. In that book, he does a beautiful summary of Weston Price's material, um, puts it in wonderful common language. And then the back third of the book is all these great recipes. It's a beautifully written book. And and again, like I've handed out so many of those, it's crazy. Um, The second book is called Gut by Dr. Julia Enders, who's a German physician. And it is a simple book that explains from mouth to the other end, like how everything's connected and how the gut works. And 
you know, one of the questions I get asked a lot is like, what are the best materials or substances, you know, like toothpastes, things like that to use. And I'm like, you know what, if you don't have healthy saliva, it doesn't matter. And healthy saliva comes from healthy blood and healthy blood comes from being well hydrated and having good gut integrity and eating healthy whole foods. There's no trick. You know, it's just simple. So, you know, I mean, if you're eating, I'm not going to take it to the, you know, put it on the chin for Taco Bell or McDonald's. But if, the, if that's the regular, you know, and you're washing it down with a Coca-Cola, you know, odds are the blood that's floating around your body that then creates saliva and the blood that goes internally into your teeth is not going to be of good quality. And you will expect not only to see tooth problems, but problems in other areas of your body, you know, your skin, um, you know, your detox organs, the liver, the gallbladder, the pancreas, uh, you know, you can kind of expect that to happen. So many people, um, you had brought up this scenario earlier about, let's say somebody has, you know, three root canals and blah, blah, blah. And, And in fact, it is such a common, um, how would I put it? Um, it's a common life experience for people to, you know, as children to experience a lot of decay because, you know, their diet sucked and they were given all these sippy tubes of whatever, even in today's day and age, right? You know, you know, it's like fluoride was supposed to save the world and stuff. And it's like, it's done nothing but make people stupider. <laughs> I mean, literally. And I mean, that's not a joke, you know? Um, yeah. So you know, the, we're exposed to processed foods, the quality's horrible. Um, and it's just, things haven't gotten better, but anyways, most people, by the time they're in their twenties or thirties, and they're the ones who are paying for their own health, then they start to have an awareness like, Oh, uh, this is just my experience, by the way. Like I see people that go, yeah, I used to eat uh, Butterfingers and, you know, Doritos and Mountain Dew, like all the time. And it was always in the house. And when I got out on my own, I just like realized that wasn't a really good idea. And I wanted to invest more in my own health. By the time they make that change, that is the big difference maker. It's not what I do in their mouths, right? Like I can make changes, but arguably until they've made that lifestyle shift, me trying to um, fix a tooth. I'm going to use that broad term, you know, for somebody who is not only experiencing active decay, but whose lifestyle is pouring fuel on that fire of active decay. It, it makes no sense. You know, I, I tell people, it's like, that'd be like me putting a new roof on a burning house. Hmm. You know, good analogy. Uh, first and foremost, why don't we call the fire department and put the fire out? And that means you talking to a functional nutritionist or whatever it's going to take, you know, to figure out how to, how to optimize your lifestyle and nutritional choices. Once that comes from within, and I tell people this straight out, I'm like, you've already done 99% of the work. Thank you. Right. That makes my job easy. Um, If they're on fire, I can't treat them. What would you say are the top five worst foods for your health? Or for your tea. <laughs> oh, um, have you been to the grocery store recently? <laughs> I mean, you know, yeah, it's funny. No, I mean, and really it's less about like a particular type of food, although of course sticky foods, like let's, let's, 
you know, let's pick on like caramels, you know, like something sticky like that that's going to stick to your teeth. Uh, but frankly, it doesn't matter what the food is. It has way more to do with frequency than the quality. And and again, I was me- I was mentioning like sippy tubes. Like when I was in high school, if you wanted a Coke, you'd get a can of Coke because that's all that was available. And you'd crack open the can and, you know, you had to kind of chug it down before class started because there was no cap. You couldn't screw a cap on it and throw it in your bag. It would dump all over the place, right? So you would share it with your friends and swish it down and you wouldn't have as much exposure. Nowadays, whether it's, and I'm dating myself now, but, you know, you go back in time to like, um, oh, I'm thinking of those Sobe drinks, you know, it's just sugar water, um, to sodas, to think, or to even these days, like people go to Starbucks and they get their quad shot, you know, extra five pump chocolate, vanilla, caramel, whatever. And, and again, like if that floats your boat, I'm not, no judgment, right? I like to treat myself now and again, but if you sip on that for four hours, let's say that your teeth are swimming in an acid bath the entire time. The sugars get converted to acids by the microbes in your mouth, period. And, and or you might be just sipping on plain old acidic beverages, might be lemon water, might be adding apple cider vinegar to your water, might be you love kombucha, uh, might be Coca-Cola or Diet Coke or whatever. I mean, you know, like, there's so much stuff um, that can present risk. And at the end of the day, it's going to be how frequently are you bathing your teeth in frank acids or, you know, fermentable carbohydrates that can break down? Um, and what's getting through your gut and creating poor blood supply to those teeth so that you don't have good immune connection to them, right? It, 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 it's both internal and external. So earlier you mentioned that a lot of your patients don't have sensitivity, but what causes sensitivity in the mouth and what can we do about it? Yes, thank you. And, and for clarification, so what I was referring to was sensitivity after we perform dental work, right? Um, I certainly meet people who have sensitivity of roots, let's say. Uh, like, let's say somebody, um, you know, maybe they're in their mid-30s. They went through some uh, Invisalign or something like that 10 years ago, and they've noticed their gums have receded over the past decade, and w- which can happen, right? I mean, it's, it's, we say that people as they age get long in the tooth for a reason. You know, it's, it doesn't have to happen, but it is a fairly common experience. Um, as the gums recede or the dentin, the root of the tooth becomes more exposed, the nerves that live in there uh, are quite aware of that, right? I mean, they sense this. It's it, the, the analogy I use with patients, it's like wearing your super warm parka in a snowstorm, but then you pull up the sleeves halfway up your arm, right? And then your arms start to freeze. Um, your skin says, no, thank you, right? It likes the protective coating. So those sorts of sensitivity issues are multifactorial from one person to another. The reason that they're experiencing sensitivity can, can, uh, uh, shift or vary greatly. Now, if you watch TV commercials, you know, Sensodyne would have you believe you have sensitive teeth because you don't use enough Sensodyne, right? (laughs) Well, it's like, there's a lot more to it than that. It could be a good way to reduce sensitivity for a while. 
Um, although, you know, the fluoride component in there brings up other issues, but, um, my, what I find is that people who have clean diets most frequently, not always, but most frequently will experience a decrease in their sensitivity of their teeth, you know, um, and people who stop sipping on things all the time, right. They're, they're not then peeling off layers of the mineral of their teeth to create the sensitivity in the first place. So your saliva is teeming with minerals whose job it is inherently to protect your teeth and constantly be re remineralizing tooth structure. But again, if we sip, 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 sip all day on stuff that, you know, is overwhelming the saliva's ability to protect your teeth, the teeth will lose. You explained that very well. So thank you for giving us that analogy too with the coat. I really liked that. You've mentioned fluoride a couple times, yeah. which I've heard I heard you say it's making us stupider. Is yeah. that because fluoride is clinically calcifying the pineal gland? Well, yeah, I mean we we know that like it is a it has neurotoxic effects. Like it it's actually decreasing people's ability to have proper brain function. And, and all you have to do is go to PubMed. You know, anybody has access to PubMed. Type in fluoride, comma, IQ, click, you know, click go, and you'll find over 300 articles that show correlations between fluoride ingestion, both swallowing and, you know, word of the wise people, when you put fluoridated toothpaste in your mouth, this will sound stupid for me to say it, but nobody thinks of it. It doesn't just go on your teeth. It goes into your oral mucosa. Everything that comes into contact with your oral mucosa gets absorbed into your body. Anybody who's ever put a chew of tobacco in their mouth knows what the, or, or had a nitroglycerin tablet under the tongue. Like it's, everybody's experience is like, whoa, you know, like if anybody's tried chewing tobacco, that nicotine gets in there in a jiffy, right? And it feels crazy. Like everything you put in your mouth is going to be absorbed by your oral mucosa. So especially these like high fluoride containing pastes that are being prescribed by dentists, like 5,000 parts per million. You know, I get the whole argument that, well, if you get fluoride, you know, incorporated into enamel structure, it is more acid resistant. And that's true. Like, I mean, that's, that's a fact. The problem is there's no way to practically do that on a daily basis without having people absorb it in their mucosa and affect their bodies. So, you know, it's it's a bummer when things are looked at so monoscopically. Oh, it makes teeth stronger. Okay, great. Now, what else does it do? You know, like th there's nothing that's perfect, you know? Um, and of course, like if we think historically, I mean, how many thousands of years of human uh, living on this planet occurred without fluoridation of public water supply, you know? And interestingly enough, those people who did live in, in parts of the world that have naturally uh, higher concentrations of fluoride, like, like let's say Colorado, it's just naturally occurring in their water supply. Those people for centuries, you know, well, at least in our, in our time of seeing like over the past two to three centuries, we observed that people from those areas have fluorosis. Their teeth have a mottled appearance. 
white or brown, some oftentimes broken, you know, like it lacks good structural integrity. And it's like, yeah, so why would we be surprised that when we're adding more and more fluoride to our system through drinking water, thankfully, Portland, Oregon, it's one of the good things about Portland that we don't have that. Yeah. It's a, it's still, it's still, a, it's still a good place for me to live. You know, Portland's gotten bad press, but uh, I, I love it here. You know, um, who can, who can argue, right? I mean, I know this is on audio today, but we got sunshine in the sky and, you know, it's beautiful. Anyway, um, I digress. Fluoride. <laughs> I like you, <laughs> fluoride. Thumbs down to fluoride. I don't I use like it. You. I'll put enough said. <laughs> That's all we need to know. We could just sum it up right there. Um, I liked what you said about the oral mucosa, that anything that comes in contact with it gets into your system. What are your thoughts on using essential oil in your toothpaste or in your mouth in general? Um, I would liken that to skincare. And if, you know, point being, now I have a wife and two daughters, you know, uh, arguably I am the least skincare uh, savvy guy and person in the house, but I mean, based on the number of products that I see my wife and daughters using, uh, I see that there are many options and many ways to to go about it, right? So to your question, like essential oils, or even we could talk about like oil pulling, you know, kind of an Ayurvedic way of cleaning the mouth, swishing coconut oil. My stance is I have no dogmatic bias. Like if it works for you, Let's say somebody comes in and I'm like, wow, your mouth looks amazing. You know, like even if they've had dental work in the past, but they've cleaned up their diet and their home care practices are such that their mouth looks impeccable. I don't care what they're doing. Keep doing that. Just keep doing that. You know, if they're like, I hate flossing, but I really like my um, my water pick and, they, and their mouth looks awesome. Well, what, what's the problem with the water pick? You know, keep using it. It's great. And the problem right, is, now. I'm going to address it. The problem is, is that they go and they see a hygienist who says, well, you should be flossing. Why? Because they believe everybody should floss, right? Because it's a dogmatic thing and we don't think about it. But in reality, there are so many different ways. It's like, it's like choosing a workout program for you. Some people want to lift heavy weights. Some people want to cycle. Some people want to ski. Some people want to hit the elliptical, like, do what makes you happy and works, you know, uh, or picking a a, a, a a nutritional path, right? Like you've got the paleo to the vegan and I'm not arguing one's the best or, or not. It's just like, I mean, I know people who choose veganism and it's, it's a hard path to maintain optimal health with that, but it's like, that's their life choice and they're committed to it. It's like, great. If it works for you, that's wonderful, you know? Um, I just think being open-minded about finding something that works is more important than leaning people into like, well, this is the right way and this is the wrong way. Cause then we build in the, and I do want to acknowledge this. It, the reason that's so important to me is that when you say things that bring about feelings of guilt and shame, those are the two lowest. When we look at, um, like energetic resonance, those are the emotions that have the lowest levels of energetic resonance. So when we tell people they need things or should do something, we're, we are instilling feelings of guilt and shame. 
And it's like, no wonder people hate going to the dentist. I feel like you have such a good take on all things related to health and wellness, especially with that psychology background, the analogies (laughs) that you have, your way of thinking. I know my listeners will resonate with it. You mentioned oil pulling earlier. So tell me the difference between oil pulling and mouthwash. Ah, yes. Great. Great. Um, So mouthwash, generally speaking, now we're, we're, we're talking about most rinses, right? Over the counter, scope, Listerine, all that stuff. Um, and I know Listerine's TV ads want you to believe it's the next thing since sliced bread, you know, but, um, it's mostly alcohol, you know, and outside of giving you a minty or medicinal taste to your mouth, there's in my opinion and experience, there's not a lot of benefit to it. You know, again, Go back thousands of years and look at the the skull remains of people who didn't have scope. You know, they still had strong jaw bones and teeth. Like, I don't think we really need that. Now, um, when we look at like what's happening with oil pulling, when you're taking uh, coconut oil, let's say. So you take a tablespoon of, of coconut oil, put it in your mouth. The warmth of your mouth, temperature of your mouth turns it into a liquid and you start swishing. As you stimulate salivary flow and those minerals incorporate within the oil itself, you're basically creating a soap, you know, and and that as you swish it in and out of your teeth and gums and all that, it has this cleansing and detoxifying effect. Uh, And I've met a number of people, hundreds of them who love it, like they swear by it. Uh, If you try that, please make sure you spit it into your garbage can, not your sink, so you don't clog your pipes. Um, to save yourself the hassle. So, uh, but I will say like one of the barriers to entrance on that technique for a lot of people is the cramping that they feel in their buccinator muscle. So the muscle that's kind of just lateral to our, 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 it's our, it's our smile muscle. Let's put it that way. Right. When we smile big, it's that thing that we feel tightening, you know, when we smile, you're doing a good job of it right now. Um, <laughs> so when you're swishing, 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 swishing over and over and over, you're having to activate the buccinators and all your, your muscles of your tongue. And for some people, that can be exhausting. Uh, for others, no big deal. So just, you know, be aware. You might experience that. Um, but I have found it to be a health a health promoting practice. I don't personally do it. But again, I've seen many people who do and it works very well. What are the top two reasons that people come to see you, Dr. Blodgett? Um, I, that's a good question. The, it's not proximity. Let me tell you that. Oh, <laughs> man. Yeah, th- uh, we're so blessed to see so many people from, you know, across the country and around the world. Um, so primarily, I find, uh, how, do I, how would I sum this? Summarize this, like energetic resonance is the number one reason that people come to me. And what I mean by that is they hear, they either hear me sharing what I'm sharing on a podcast or they read what I write. And there's this sense of connection, um, like the, the concepts of intentionality and respect for health autonomy and, um, not functioning from a state of dogmatic thinking resonates with those who come to, to find or seek us out. Um, that's the number one reason I would say the number two reason is 
the fact that, um, and I guess it kind of relates to the first reason, honestly, is like, I believe there's always a way, you know, when someone says my goal is X, uh, I believe strongly that, and maybe, maybe we don't have the answer today. Like maybe we don't even have the technology available today to do what they're asking for me to do, but I believe there's a way. So this offering a sense of hope and optimism, I mean, it's inherent to my personality and how God designed me. Um, but you know, I've worked with, uh, many dentists in the past where it's like, no, that's not possible. And I'm like, well, uh, you know, Dr. So-and-so, like Dr. Voles in Switzerland's doing this. No, 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 it's not possible. Like, you know, uh, my last last week's Toxic Tuesday and Wellness Wednesday post was a woman who had flown from Abilene, Texas, twice to my office to have work done with me that she was told wasn't possible by three different dentists. So I think that just by acknowledging that, hey, you know, um, and I can share this, you know, quite honestly, when I first heard of ceramic implants, it wasn't a dental company. It was a patient who asked me, is it possible to get implants that are made out of ceramics and not metals? And I'm like, huh, that's a great question. I don't, I'd never heard of that, but I'm willing to look and learn. And lo and behold, they're like, you know, a half a dozen companies I came across. And I was like, oh, again, Lord, what do I, what else don't I know? You know? Oh man, you know, and I, and I, you know, I'm a constant life learner. I think that's part of the energetic resonance piece, but, um, I think offering hope, creating space for human connection and, um, establishing loving energetic resonance with people is probably the number one reason people come to see us. I loved when I was on your website doing some research because I think there was an analogy of how visiting Dr. Blodgett is like visiting Disneyland. There's only one <laughs> Disneyland. You can't, you can go to Disney World. There's those two experiences, but that's it. There's yeah. carnivals, right? All over, all over the nation, all over the world. But you have this sense of caring and a clinic that's unlike any other. So what do you tell someone when they say, oh, I just want to find someone like you? Where do I go? Yeah, thankfully, um, you know, I, I have um, made connections with other dentists. And I'm talking about people where I've spent significant time with them. And I know they're, I know them, like I know their hearts as well as I know their hands, you know, and what they're able to do with those things. Um, none of those people are me. So I share with folks that like, if, if it's the energy and the spirit of what I offer, you're going to be hard pressed to find that in any other dentist in the, you know, the world, maybe America, but I would say certainly in the, in the world. Now, that being said, I, I have met a, I've met a dentist recently who wants to become a biological dentist who spiritually, I mean, this guy and I could talk for hours, right? Like, so they do exist. Um, it, but it's not it. It's challenging to find because those of us that are drawn to healthcare, generally speaking, um, aren't of the human sciences uh, from an emotional standpoint, like a psycho psycho emotional standpoint. Um, but that being said, I have a team member who manages 
most of the communications on my Instagram. And one of the things that she does is communicate with people about, let's say, let's say it's just absolutely not in the cards for somebody to come to Portland, you know, for whatever reason. Right. Um, and I would say, by the way, you brought up Disneyland. If you and your family have saved up enough money in your past to go take a trip, like going from Des Moines, Iowa, let's say to Disneyland, because you wanted to experience it, you can afford to go to my practice, believe me. Um, and it's, it's worth the investment. But that being said, um, I know dentists around the country, uh, who I would personally see. And I'm, I mean, I'm happy to share with folks like, um, you need somebody in Tampa, Florida. I've got the gal for you. You need somebody in Salt Lake city. I've got someone for you. Um, LA right now is tricky, but, um, you know, there, there are, a lot of good dentists in this country. And honestly, like there are a lot of great dentists who don't even, you know, they may not be familiar with the term biological dentist and that's fine, but they could be phenomenal clinicians and have loving hearts. And perhaps a listener of this program might be someone who introduces to that dentist, you know, maybe they have the, the, the technology part down, but they haven't, re- and maybe some of the psychology too, right. But they haven't really reached the biology part. I truly believe the patients of this planet, the human beings that are seeking oral health care, will be the conduits through which we're able to reach dentists and, and expose them to concepts they just never heard about before, right? Um, it, I really, it's, it, it's, the public will lead, the, the, their demand will lead the culture of our practice or our, our, our profession. Uh, just as we have seen like, 20 years ago, you would not see an organic food section in Walmart or Target. And now it's like, well, why is it there? Well, because people want to buy it, you know? So if, if, if human beings are saying, look, we want a, a different standard of care. And, you know, I listened to this podcast or what have you, or I read an article or something like, share it. If people keep sharing it enough, you know, even the most closed-minded dentist eventually will have to break down and go, well all my patients have left me. I better start learning, you know, like nobody wants to be, no business owner wants to be in that position. So, um, I would encourage people to share what they learn with the, with the practitioners they're seeing. That's a really beautiful message. I always say we vote with our dollars. Mm. So if your dollars aren't going to a run of the mill, get them in, get them out dental practice, but to a biological dentist, you're creating the demand for more biological dentists. Yep. But there are people out there. At the end of the day, um, the most important thing is that whomever's making the phone call, you know, what vibes are they getting? You know, because it's like, do I feel connected? I know that, you know, uh, Claire from Blodgett Dental Care said, like, I could reach out to so-and-so, but I really didn't like the way I was talked to on the phone. Like, just skip it, you know, Yep. Ne- go to the next, right? Definitely. That's such good advice. Advocating for yourself, the way that you feel when you're interacting with yep. them. Do you have any upcoming projects that you're working on? Oh yes. Um, I am actually, I'm, I'm, I've been working on writing a book for, well, the, the God put that on my heart about seven years ago. And 
it was it was the strangest experience like i sat down and just out of my head and my hand wrote a title and an outline and i could see it so clearly and and what stood out to me at the time was i don't know near enough about any of these things to speak to it well so i've spent the past you know half a decade plus coming to a deeper understanding of these subjects topics um, the, from a scientific perspective to the, you know, human experience around these, these issues, um, trying to formulate how I want to communicate um, the importance of communication in a healthcare setting and the words that we choose. Um, so, yeah, I hope, I, my, my hope is to have that come out in 2024. We'll see. I'm, I'm pretty committed to it at this point. Um, I'm so excited for it. I want to be on the added to the pre-wait list. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. Yes. I've recently hired a gal to help me. She's going to be my accountability partner to getting that done. So (laughs) I found that that works in my practice too. It's like, if I want to get anything done, I need accountability partners. You know, I need help just like everybody else, you know, (laughs) Dr. Blodgett, what haven't I asked you that you'd like my listeners to know? Ooh, uh, well, I could come up with all sorts of fun things. I think as it relates to healthcare and, and wellness, let's put it that way. Let's talk about as it relates to wellness. Um, I'm often asked, like, what, what piece of advice would you give to people if you had, you know, one thing to share? And, um, and I, I say this because I need reminding of it in my own life as much as it is to share with others, um, to remember to create space for the parasympathetic energy to reside. You know, like I am a, arguably a highly functional person. I'm, I am go, go, go. I wake up at 4.30 in the morning and, you know, it's, it is go time at 5 a.m., right? Uh, and that's, that's how I function. Um, and as I have gotten older, I see the benefits to creating more space for, you know, calming down, if you want to just put it simply. And, and some of the ways I do that, like part of the reason I bought that Novathor bed um, was, pardon me, I got a bee flying around me. <laughs> I'm, I'm outside. Um, you know, part of the reason I got it is because I understand the health benefits of full body exposure to red and infrared light. And how it helps design um, a state of parasympathetics without me having to work at it very much, you know. Um, and I'm taking more time to enjoy life, playing like I play in a band. Uh, I like to go bicycling, you know, things that's like it's just I do it simply because it's fun, you know. Um, but yeah, so my advice is like find that thing that brings parasympathetic state to your life. And there's an oral health tie into that. When you're in a, your rest and digest state, the fluid that resides within your teeth flows outwardly, which helps to just like, you know, your skin has ways of keeping its own health going. So do your teeth. When we are in the fight or flight, go, go, go. I'm doing five different things at once, watching the TV, got the phone in my hand, you know, and drinking a latte. Um, 
the fluid is flowing into your teeth and puts them at a higher risk for both sensitivity and breakdown. So there's a direct, meaningful uh, purpose to finding that thing that brings you joy and peace and parasympathetic state, whether that's gardening or walking your dog or, you know, conversing with friends over dinner, you know, whatever that means for you. Um, I think, you know, we live in this modern fast paced lifestyle where it's so easy to be turned on to the, the, the sympathetic overdrive all the time, you know? So that's, wasn't really a question so much as something I wanted to share. (laughs) Well, I like that advice. You can take it any way you want. Now for people who don't have parasympathetic as a common term in their lives, What's the difference between the sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous system? Yeah, yeah, thank you. Sympathetic means like fight or flight. You know, you're, you're, you are poised and ready for action. Um, you're either going to, you know, get at it with somebody or you're going to run. Um, that's, and that's the way many people feel most of their day. They've got their phone sitting next to them. They're sitting in front of their computer. And it's just, you know, with all these like Blu-rays coming off their computer screens, all right. It's like the amount of energetic amplification to our our overall energetic balance is quite something, you know. So parasympathetic, we refer to as rest and digest. So if you're trying to eat your lunch, while you're scrolling through your Instagram and watching the latest feeds and seeing who's doing what on Facebook, like that is, that's not going to help you with your digestion and your leaky gut problems and your poor, you know, poor bowel movements and like all things that are direct indicators of health. So my advice, like when I I don't, when I get to work, frankly, I put my phone away, you know, I mean, I don't, I don't look at it until the end of the day. And, uh, I want to be present with human beings. That's, that's, that's my job. When I eat lunch, I want to be present with the human beings I'm eating lunch with, you know, that my team, um, I want to enjoy those personal connections and, and, and allow side note, right. Allow my, my gastrointestinal tract to better digest its own food. So I get the better nutritional quality out of it. Those are so important that I think people forget about them, whereas it's so easy to scroll through, right? No one's talking to us or we're sitting at the table by ourselves, so we'll just scroll through our phone, not realizing that, yes, those blue lights are coming through, that radiation is coming through, whereas 100 years ago, we sat probably with friends and family as a celebratory event to eat our food. So I'm really glad that you brought that up as a reminder. Yeah. Um, yeah, one of the things I've been practicing over the, probably the past three years is, you know, if my wife and I are going out for dinner, I don't take my phone, you know, like I, it's like, what do I need it for? Now it's kind of funny because especially during COVID so many, you know, restaurants went to, uh, you know, like the QR codes and I'm like, oh my gosh, really? Do you not have a paper menu? You know, um, (laughs) (laughs) thankfully thankfully it seems like those are coming back because it's like i don't want to have to be relying on digital technology for everything to be clear like it there are amazing things that digital technology allows us to do i mean you and you and i are talking today through that medium and that's amazing blows my mind but i don't need it all the time you know arguably i would want it as, as little as possible 
That's right. Such such a good example. I feel the same way with the QR codes. You can appreciate them for their convenience, but I usually ask for a paper menu. When I go to a restaurant and they only have that little placard with the QR code, I'll say, can I get the paper menu? And then I feel like it lets the server know, well, I've, I've looked at what I want. I've put the menu over here. So now you right. can take my order. <laughs> Whereas I feel like it's a different way of communicating now when you go out. Yep. Totally. Oh, well, Dr. Blodgett, I really appreciated our conversation today. Where can listeners go to learn more about you? Yeah, thank you. Um, I would love it if people would go to Instagram. They can follow me at, at Blodgett Dental Care. Um, and please share it. Share my handle with every human being you know and love. If you want people to be at their greatest state of health, they have to have great oral health. And I mean, sad to say, probably most of the people we know have root canals, mercury fillings, uh, mixed metals. There are all sorts of things that can be disruptive to health, uh, chronic bone infections. So, you know, turn them on to my account so that at the very least they can start becoming informed and, and then they can decide whether they want to learn more or not. Yeah. So it's funny because when you look at Instagram accounts, right? There are all sorts of different things, you know, being popular in social media or you're an actor or whatever. Like there's lots of ways uh, to, to garner a large following. Let me just tell you, being a dentist is that's a that's a tough, tough road to hoe. You know, it's like, let's talk about oral health, everybody. And it's kind of like, oh, really? And it's like, yeah, quite actually, if they understood what I was sharing, they'd be like, oh, wait a minute. Tell me more. Um, so, yes, Instagram, please. Uh, you can also find me at blodgettdentalcare.com. Um, you can Google, uh, like on Spotify, you know, I've been on many, uh, podcasts in the past. If, if, if something that you're curious about, we didn't cover, although we covered a lot of great things today. Um, there are some other good ones out there, many of which people have listened to and, and that's how they find me, you know, it's how they end up in my practice. I listened to a podcast called Chris Beat Cancer. Yeah. And I know about half of the conversation was about mercury. Yeah. So I would definitely recommend my listeners go listen to that one. I know that you could talk about mercury and the dangers of it for an extended period of time, but you're all over the social platforms, other podcasts. So if people want to find out more about you, they can definitely go do some more research. Yeah, thank you. We appreciate you being on the show today. Thank you so much for your time. Oh my gosh, thank you, Ashley. This podcast is presented for educational and exploratory purposes only. Published content is not intended to be used for diagnosing or treating any illnesses, disease, or disorders. Those responsible for this show disclaim any responsibility for any possible adverse effects from the use of this information presented by myself or my guests. Please consult with your healthcare provider before using any products or services referenced in this podcast. This podcast may contain paid endorsements for products or services. Any third-party materials or content of any third-party site reference on this show do not necessarily reflect the opinions of standards or the policy of my guests. 
this podcast and my website, ashleydaily.com, represent the opinions of myself. The content discussed on the show should not and does not replace medical advice. The content here is for informational purposes only. Episodes on Welcome to Wellness may at times cover sensitive topics, including, but not limited to, depression, suicide, COVID-19, vaccines, events related to the pandemic, 5G, big pharma, nootropics, circumcision, psychedelics, hormones, the Women's Health Initiative, birth control, the use of plant medicine, abortion, geoengineering, terrorism, gender, AI, and sex, drugs, and rock and roll. You are advised to refrain from listening to this podcast if you are likely to be offended or adversely impacted by any of these topics. However, if these topics are of interest to you, you just may have found your tribe. The information or opinions expressed on the Welcome to Wellness show are solely the views of the individuals involved by no means represent absolute facts. Opinions expressed by the host and the guests can change at any time. The views of my guests are solely their views and the Welcome to Wellness show does not accept responsibility for them. And any action you take on the information contained within the show is strictly at your own risk. The Welcome to Wellness host, Ashley Dealey, will not be liable for any losses or damages in connection with the use of this podcast. You should take all necessary steps to ascertain the information you receive from this podcast is correct and has been verified. None of the guests or contributors on the Welcome to Wellness podcast will be responsible for your use of the information contained therein. Under no circumstances will the Welcome to Wellness show or my affiliates, partners, suppliers, licenses, or guests appearing on this show be liable for any direct or indirect or consequential damage arising from your use of or inability to access this podcast. All intellectual property rights belong to Ashley Daly, included, but not limited to, the copyright and any other rights in the design. You are permitted to use the Welcome to Wellness podcast for personal use, but not for commercial use without license. You may not make any recordings of or otherwise copy this podcast. If you breach these terms, you lose the right to access the Welcome to Wellness podcast, and you must destroy or return any copies of the recordings you have made. Guests on the Welcome to Wellness podcast may at times provide information on or read extracts from third parties' copyrighted work. The Welcome to Wellness podcast does not provide any medical or professional advice within these episodes. Anything said should not be taken as replacement for medical, clinical, professional advice, diagnosis, or medical intervention. If you take any action or inaction as a result from the content you consume from the Welcome to Wellness podcast, this is based solely on your decision and the Welcome to Wellness podcast and Ashley Dealey and my guests cannot be held liable for any of the consequences of such action or inaction. Thank you.